Science, exercise, nutrition, health, energy, passion. One year, no beer. This is the One Year No Beer podcast, where you will find all the latest tips, tricks, and hacks for a way to live better. Welcome to another episode of the OYMB podcast. I'm your host, Chris Laping, and I'm joined today in the studio by my wife, Christine. Say hello. Hi there. So we're going to build off of the last few weeks. If you've been tuning in to the last few podcasts, we've had some really great guests that have ranged from uh, Dr. Jeff talking about relationships uh, and how relationships change when we go alcohol-free. We had uh, Dominika Yurikova, I should say Dr. Dominika Yurikova on the show, talking about just self-love and self-worth that has come from taking a break from alcohol. And we've also had Claire Freeman, who has shared with us the courage that she got to basically quit the day job and follow her passion. And so this week, we're going to actually bring all those elements together because it's our two-year no-beer anniversary as a couple. Uh, we, we jumped into this journey together, and we thought that we would share um, our experiences and um, just talk frankly and vulnerably about what we have experienced and that it would tie in all of those other themes pretty nicely. Yeah. Yeah. I was on the podcast. I'm glad my name got thrown into that long list of people that you admire. <laughs> and then I had this really great guest, Christine Labing, four weeks ago. No, but that that episode was more about my personal journey. But I think it's really important for people to understand what couples go through. And again, building especially off of what Dr. Jeff had said and the advice that he had given, um, that a lot of times applied to the scenarios where you choose individually to go alcohol-free, but there are a lot of couples who choose to go through this together, and that's what you and I did. And the reality is, um, when you do a look back, now that we've hit our two-year milestone, there are some really uh, interesting insights from who we were as a couple when we were drinking versus now when we don't drink. Yeah, I mean, it's really unbelievable because I think, as you said a few weeks ago when I interviewed you about your own personal journey, you know, on the outside, it probably looked normal and fine. Mm -hmm. And we used our own professional success as a comfort blanket as to why everything was okay. Yep. That, hey, yes, we had this nightcap every night, uh, but we got up. The next day, and we went into our successful careers, and um, we did well financially, and we did all of our chores at home. So it felt like everything was in control. Mm-hmm. And the reality of it is, some of that is probably true. Um, but I would say that there has been such a huge unlock in the last two years since we jumped into this journey together. Yeah, I want to hear your story, but I think about like again, we we did have a healthy relationship. I think when you compare it to many even while we were drinking, but I tell people now, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing how much our relationship has grown and how much stronger we are because we are alcohol-free and we've done the work 
to really get vulnerable with one another. But I want to I always go back to this one story of when we were drinking and um, how I behaved. And I just laugh out loud when I think about it, because I would not I would not act that way now. Are you talking about your belligerent drink? Well, yes, there was a there's a phrase that was used when we would be drinking and Chris would know and he'd say like, oh, don't have another one or don't pour Christine another one because that's her belligerent drink. And it was funny because when I I get so mad when he would say that, by the way, I just want to choke him. (laughs) But it was true. And when I had that drink, I would kind of show aggression and I'm not an aggressive person person. Mm -mm. And there was this one time when I must have had my belligerent drink and you and I were arguing about something. And for some reason, I had your phone. I had your, which was your work phone. Um, And I just whipped it across the room. I was so mad at you. And I just whipped it across the room having no like care about the fact that it's an expensive device. It was work issued. And it went into our, my closet. Yes. And we could not find it for days. Days. And the reality was, is it bounced off the carpet and into the pocket of one of your suit coats. The inside pocket of one of my suit coats. I'm like, she couldn't have done that if someone said, I'll give you a million dollars right now to bounce that phone off the carpet into the inside pocket, by the way, of a suit coat that I really didn't wear very often at that time. But you know what's so crazy about that is, A, I can't. I can't even remember what we were arguing about. And it's just that story is such an example of, you know, that kind of thing happened more than once. And it's because it was it was fueled with alcohol, where now if something is irritating me or you said something that I wish you wouldn't have said with the words that you chose to say, I react differently. And that's a perfect example of what relationships can be like, I think. Um, with alcohol versus without. Yeah, I mean, I think that recurring tension and conflict can occur in a relationship uh, around the same subject. And the same subject will just sort of set you off every time. And I know that for me personally on this journey, uh, we would uh, argue a lot because I would be so expressive of my discomfort. <laughs> like I was really cold, right? And we live in Denver, Colorado. And so, you know, in wintertime, you can get 10 inches of snow outside. And Christine uh, grew up in Michigan, which is one of the coldest states in the country. And she'd be perfectly fine with throwing on the snow boots and a a coat and, you know, go for a walk. And I wouldn't want to go outside because I was uncomfortable. And that kind of thing would create tension and conflict because, Mm -hmm. of course, it meant we weren't going to be able to spend time together. And even though it came out as, oh, Chris, you're so soft and you, you just don't like being uncomfortable. You wussy. We're exactly. What you really meant was, I just want us to spend time together. Are you really not um, willing to put a coat on and a, and a hat and a scarf? And so, again, I think that, you know, one of the biggest changes for me personally is I have learned to soak more in discomfort. Mm-hmm, for sure. Because I think alcohol is just an avoidance tactic that we use when we're uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And that's the go-to. Yeah. And something uh, is stressful going on at work, and the go-to is to have a glass of wine. Something stressful going on with the kids, the go-to after they go to bed is to have a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. It's cold outside. 
Um, therefore, I'm not getting as much time with you. There's this unspoken tension. We don't know why it's there. It's really there because we're just not spending time together. And the way I deal with that is a glass of wine. Yep. So these recurring conflicts can happen in a relationship. And that's where I love the notion that when Rory and Andy started One Year No Beer, it was, hey, just take a break from alcohol and see it. See alcohol for what it is. Yeah. It wasn't an abstinence program. It wasn't, hey, you got to sign up for life and not ever drink again. It's just, just take a break and see it for what it is. And what it is, oftentimes, even if it's not directly related, is maybe one or two steps away related to why there's conflict in our relationships. Yes. And in this case, arguments about me not being able to handle discomfort you know, I would have never pinned that on alcohol prior to taking a break. You know, the other thing that's really funny that giving up alcohol is impacted for us, and this is going to sound scandalous, but like the bedroom. Um, think about how much body heat I used to give off. Oh, my goodness. And you used to complain about it. I would have to get up the in the middle of the night and go to a different bed sometimes because it was so bad. You, you, your body was just radiating um, extreme heat. It seemed almost unhealthy. Well, I'm sure it was unhealthy because <laughs> that doesn't exist today. Am I correct? Totally. Yeah, you're, you're correct. I mean, that is insane. For years, we talked about it and never once did we say, oh, I bet it's, I bet it's the alcohol. Um, so that was a pleasant surprise. That was a, uh, a win from all of it for sure. So we kind of just jumped in and maybe we should put some structure to the conversation and just go back uh, a couple of years ago to the decision that we made to take a break from alcohol. What was going on in our life at that time, um, in our relationship with each other, and um, maybe just share with everyone how we made the commitment to uh, go alcohol-free. I know you talked about this in the podcast uh, four or five shows ago. But I think we should revisit in case people didn't hear that. Yeah. So you had read a blog that was written by Andy. And the whole premise of that blog was elite athletes don't drink because, well, they want to be elite. So if you want to be elite in your job, why would professionals drink? And of course, um, for anybody who knows you, who might be listening to this, like you, of course, that, that was like the dog whistle. I know at the top you. of the show, I was talking about how functional we looked on the outside and I described it all related to work. I didn't even talk about just the fact that we had a great relationship and that looked normal. Everything sort of grounds back to work yeah, for me I mean, all the time. And you, you love, you love what you do. And, um, that's amazing. And so that blog really spoke to you and, uh, you know, I had tried several times to wean myself off the amount of alcohol that I had been drinking over the years. And as I was aging, I was having health issues. I was, you know, getting closer to the age where you have the change of life. And I had a breast cancer scare. And alcohol is, you know, one of those factors that it is not good for the system. And so it was the last thing for me to try to see if it moved the needle. So I said, yeah, I'm in with you. And so we did the 28 days and then we tried to moderate and that didn't work. So then we did the 365 and here we are. We're at our two-year milestone. Two years. Yeah. Yeah. So again, we had um, functional careers. We had a functional relationship. Um, 
but you know, your health scares um, were definitely top of mind for us. Which, by the way, for anyone listening, it's funny because I was one of those people where I could have a single drink and have a hangover the next day. My body was starting to reject alcohol and screaming very loud. Chris, on the other hand, is like Ozzy Osbourne <laughs> and could drink a ton and wake up the next morning at 4.30 a.m. and work out and, you know, be drinking coffee, not dehydrated. It was insane. So um, the fact that he, despite the fact that he wasn't having any health impact, that he wanted to make this life change um, I want to thank you for that because I think you taking that first step was such a spark for me. And I think realistically I've had more benefit than you, even though you've had benefit. I think it was a huge uh, differentiator for me. Now, um, one other part of the story I think everybody should know about is that back in 2015, um, we both quit our day jobs. Um, We were doing really well financially. So some people thought we were insane to leave those careers. And we did that to write a book together, Mm -hmm. a leadership book. It's called People Before Things. We didn't know what to expect when we did it, but we wanted to start our own consulting company. I wanted to do speaking engagements. We wanted to sell copies of the book. And so we had, again, a very functional relationship where we would um, take on a goal like, hey, we're going to quit our day jobs and start something new. We jumped into that book journey, which went way further than I think either one of us expected, resulted in about three years of book tour kind of work, doing a lot of speaking engagements, meeting thousands of people around the country, which was just an awesome experience. And one of my clients at that time made me an offer to join the uh, company full time, that the kind of work that I specialize in, the kind of work that I talk about in the book was a real need for them. And so at this point, I had uh, left the company that you and I started Mm -hmm. together and you were continuing to move the business forward, I was back in a day job, so to speak. And we made this decision to um, really jump into the alcohol-free journey. When you talked about the 28-day challenge earlier based on Andy's blog, I was still at People Before Things at our company. But when we decided to jump in for real, mm-hmm. um. I was in this day job in an environment where, you know, alcohol was normalized. Yeah. Um, because of the industry, like drinking at work, right? Like celebrating at the end of the day, celebrating at town hall meetings, going out to dinner. Alcohol was a very normal part of that job. Yes. And, you know, I would travel uh, for board meetings and people that, obviously affected my success would be there. And I was very Mm self-conscious of um, not drinking, which I think you and I realized later, look, when people get past their first drink, they're not even paying attention to the fact that you're not (laughs) drinking. But I do remember you, and I can't remember exactly where we were in our alcohol-free journey, but you came home and said, you know, we have an upcoming 
board meeting in New York City or something like that. And at that time, you were feeling awkward, even pretty long into the journey. And you said, I think I might drink, but just when I'm at these company events. And I remember saying to you, you can do that, but I can't guarantee that um, I'm going to support it. I think that you're going to come home and you're going to have alcohol in your breath. And I don't know how I'm going to react. Maybe I'll be okay and it'll be a non-issue, but maybe I'll be disgusted because Mm. now, like if I smell even anybody walking around me with a glass of wine or something, the smell that I used to love, I find it repulsive. So I remember just being like, oh, okay, this is this could be a real interesting t- turning point or challenge for us. But ultimately, you decided not to. You decided to. Well, and that's the accountability of doing this in a relationship. You know, Dr. Jeff talked uh, a few weeks ago on the podcast about relationships evolving mm-hmm. and that when they have alcohol as a foundation and I don't think alcohol was the foundation of our relationship, but it, you know, it had a strong presence. Yeah. What I would say is it became a hobby. Like every, I mean, yeah, we'd go on vacation, we'd go to, you know, the wine country. Yes. We'd, you know, gifts, we'd buy new alcohol glasses and decanters. Like it became a hobby. Yeah. And so, what you know, what Dr. Jeff was talking about is when one of you make a decision to do that and the other doesn't. That it it causes, you know, obviously all kinds of tension and it seems like the other person is not being supportive of you because they continue to drink and the reality of it is, but they didn't sign up for that. Mm-hmm. And if they actually look like they're sabotaging it and trying to get you to drink, it's not them trying to hurt you. It's that they're scared they're going to lose you. So one thing I want to emphasize here in your storytelling, Christine, about me considering should I drink for work? This was one of the really important advantages of doing this as a couple mm-hmm. was the accountability and the, I, I mean, I can just remember when we were having that conversation, I, it deeply hurt me that I may be hurting you by saying that. And I also just thought about, well, if I just start drinking and normalizing it or alcohols in my breath, as you, you say, it's just going to take you down that road with me. And so this is an advantage of doing this as a couple. Yeah. Um, even if you just, you know, get your partner to sign up for just 28 days and you take a break together for 28 days, that will provide so much context. But, um, You know, I think tying it all together, the Dr. Jeff conversation about this and and even the Claire Freeman conversation about quitting the day job, it's funny how with alcohol being a foundational element to the industry I was in and just sort of the corporate executive life, how much that became an influencing factor for me to decide to jump back into our business together um, and to quit the day job Mm -hmm. a second time, which, you know, one would think you quit the day job the first time that that would be the hardest thing to do. But the reality of it is it doesn't necessarily ever get easy. Yeah. And it's never a good time for anyone to quit their job. 
So if you're sitting there, by the way, thinking, boy, I really want to pursue my passion, but it's a really bad time with COVID, yeah. it's never a good time. Well, but especially in a pandemic, I mean. <laughs> this is uh, this is the Defender, which if you uh, took the Mastermind course at One Year No Beer, you, you would know what that means. Um, this is the Defender and Christine being the rational, practical <laughs> one. So when you host these podcasts, you're usually the ones asking, you're usually the one asking questions. Can I ask you? A yeah, please. Okay. So in our relationship, is there something that we've done alcohol free that previously we would have either never tried or we would have thought was just downright dumb? Like, oh, I can't believe I'm doing this. But we actually enjoyed now that we're alcohol free. Can you think of how that might have changed? It's funny because she's, we're sitting, you know, we did not plan this. Uh, conversation in a in a detailed way from a storyboard <laughs> perspective and we're sitting in the studio right now recording this and she's like really staring at me and then now I feel the pressure of getting the answer right I don't have anything in mind so if you think that you're going to be wrong in your answer that is not what's you know that's not my intention well um I'll just I'll just riff on this for a minute or two, and we'll see if I can stumble upon an answer that's um, at least directionally um, <laughs> satisfactory. <laughs> exactly. the The first one, and and you know, I guess as children, we think the whole world centers around us, and so there's kind of a childlike um, mentality. I, I'm going to bring to this answer because the world doesn't center <laughs> around me. But I'll tell you what: that trip to Iceland to meet up with Rory and Jen and a bunch of one year no beers. That would have never happened when we were uh, drinking. Um, well, first of all, it would have been awkward if we were drinking and we went to go meet up. <laughs> but I, you know what I mean? That, you know, getting on a plane and um, uh, crossing the Atlantic Ocean for me is a scary thing for all of the years that I have flown for work. And I would never let flying get in the way of my career. I'm terrified of it. I'm just a white knuckle um uh, passenger, I can't overcome it. No matter how hard I've, you know, tried to read the books and rationalize it. And, you know, I lived in Iceland for two years. So certainly at one point in my life, I had, you know, been on a plane and gone over to Iceland. Of course, I've traveled internationally for work, but for a personal trip. Yeah. You would have usually made excuses. Totally. Um, you do it if you were getting compensated because you take your job as being a provider for the family very seriously. But whenever it came to personal trips and flying, um, a lot of excuses were made and <laughs> somehow a idea of a trip would just uh, get put to bed real quickly. Totally. But that trip was wonderful. Yeah. It really was wonderful, and it was the first time we met Rory and Jen in person, and I felt like I had known them for years, and the energy that Rory um, emanates is uh, so incredible, and same with Jen. Um, talk about a world-class athlete. Yeah. Jen is the model citizen for that, so I think that was something that we wouldn't have done. Then I think about a lot of um, behaviors that have just changed that are not this big, sudden, drastic, get on a plane and go to Iceland for a few-day vacation that are just like sort of everyday things that I think we 
do a little bit more. Um, I would say uh, we became better pet owners mm-hmm. uh, on the on our journey together. Uh, we we lost our our dog Oscar pretty early in our journey, but we had taken a break from alcohol. I think at that point about ninety to a hundred days, and I think about how my relationship with the dog changed. It, did, um, it really did. Well, and I think it was our relationship with the dog because really, you know, Christine, you carry all the burden or you were carrying the burden of taking care of him. And so sometimes there's just stress and anxiety with, God, I got to get home so I can take the dog out. Mm-hmm. And um, we started, I think, taking on that responsibility more together. But even when it was still just you, I don't think that stress and anxiety level was still there. So, and then one other behavior, I know it must sound so random to the <laughs> listeners. Okay, we talked about Iceland and we talked about walking a dog. Uh, the other one is just what just happened right there. Um, I hear you laugh more than I ever heard in the beginning of our relationship. I know, which is crazy because if you look at pictures of me as a little girl i know i look so freaking happy huge just smile in the all world all of them light up any room and i remember in even junior high and high school just being really silly really silly and then there was this whole period of my life where i just got all down to business and all responsibility and um you're right like i laugh way more now i I mean, I can't even begin to describe the difference in it and just like deep gut laughing. And it happens when we're playing games with the kids or just having dinner together or on a walk. And as opposed to like, hey, we are watching a stand up comedian. And so you're gut laughing. And I'm like, wow, she, I haven't heard her gut laugh like that in a while. That's probably what it would have been like before alcohol. It would have been, you know, rare. So I think there's been so many just um, wonderful side effects that range from these little things all the way up to the big things. And honestly, our story is not unique to us in this whole situation. I mean, other people describe this on their journeys Mm -hmm. of taking a break from alcohol. Yeah, I mean, it is amazing how so many people share what we're trying to articulate. I hope, I hope we're doing a good job of it. And, um, what I think is important and Claire kind of shared this in her episode, her podcast, where she was talking about when she hit her one year mark, she, there was a, there was a little bit of a, Oh, is this it? And I think it's different milestones for different people on how they feel. But I will tell you that when we hit our two year mark, I feel like we are at a place now where I'm like, why? why? Would we ever go back yeah, to that? Yeah, I it's I there even in the first year, I still I if I'm completely honest with myself, I still had times where I was like, I don't know, maybe I'll have a drink one day. Maybe when our kids get married, I'll celebrate with champagne, or maybe on our fiftieth wedding anniversary. I mean, if we were still alive, then that'd be awesome, but. Maybe we'd have a drink, but right now I can honestly say, I'm like, why would I do that? Why would I put that into my system? I don't know if you feel the same way. The further away we get from it, it's just 
the natural gifts of life become more, I'm more aware of them. And I think, why would I want to mess that up with alcohol? Totally. And, you know, I feel like um, the way I would describe it is every once in a while, it'll enter my brain that a glass of wine might be nice or a sip of whiskey might be nice. And I can't even tell you now, like, I am so conscious of when that happens. I just sort of stop myself. Like, where did that come from? Well, that is true. I'm sitting here talking a big game, but we do still have some triggers that after two years alcohol-free and right what what's one trigger i know you're gonna say it. country music country music man every time it comes on or i think oh i can listen to miranda lambert or keith <laughs> urban i i can't because it was so um first of all all the lyrics talk about drinking <laughs> right i guess not in keith urban because he's actually a sober uh, individual but that's a trigger um, for you, uh, you used to cook a lot, and you used to drink wine while you cooked, and so that's a trigger for you. So unfortunately, I'm kind of the lone soldier in the kitchen right now. You're so good in the kitchen, though. <laughs> oh, sure. You'd say that even if uh, my my dinners were just a boring race. So I think it you know, does enter my mind every once in a while, but what's different now than ever before is it's almost like it's almost like what Dominica talked about in her podcast. It's almost like I have too much self-love to do that now. And you know, just like in our relationship, I would never ever throw our relationship away for uh, a one-night um pleasure-seeking affair. And I'm sure everyone listening to this say, well, yeah, that's really easy for you to say when she's sitting in the studio with you, big guy. But honestly, I would not I would never do that. There's nothing that would happen in one night that would be worth throwing away a lifetime for. And that's the way I feel about this thing with the drinking now. Mm-hmm. I would be cheating on myself and throwing it away, so to speak, for this like one night of what? And I think for couples, what's, really important and I think this is you know important for individuals who maybe don't have a partner that they're going through this journey with either but um, you know it takes work that's the one thing that I think a lot of people think oh if I just don't drink these benefits will will come and there will be benefits that come with just removing alcohol for sure but you and I have really immersed ourselves into this um we have daily habits where every morning we get up um, and we get up early so we can do this and we prioritize the time. We get up and over a cup of coffee, we just talk together mm. as a couple. And a lot of times we are talking about things that prioritize our relationship and continuing to be alcohol free and the benefit of that comes into that conversation a lot of time. And then a lot of times, most days, we go on a three-mile walk together, and it's the same thing. We're engaging in conversation about this stuff. And so all of that to say that in this two years, removing alcohol was like, you know, the spark. But I think we've then put these other um, habits into play 
that I am just so happy where we are today. And I would have never imagined that our relationship could have gotten much better because based on previous relationships I was in, we already had like this great relationship, but it's only gotten better since going alcohol free. Yeah, it's a major unlock. And, you know, I'm a uh, the head coach of the mastermind program for all of you listening that didn't know this. And we talk about this in mastermind, right? It's not that the clouds part and the angels sing and we have this big breakthrough moment in our life. Um, what really happens is we make these very small and tiny improvements in our day-to-day lives that make us just 1% better. And, you know, you stop drinking or you take a break from alcohol and now you become more conscious of what you're consuming from a food perspective. And then when you become more conscious from a food perspective of what you're consuming, now you're, you have the, the vibrance and the, um, the vitality and energy to get out and move more. And then when you get out and you have the vitality and energy to move more, it results in you actually sleeping harder. And when you sleep harder, you wake up in the morning refreshed and now you spend this quiet time that you're talking about. And then when you have that quiet time and you really find your place in the world during that quiet time, now you're ready to love and be loved. You're ready to go out and connect. Mm -hmm. And so that's the journey. That's the journey I think we've been on for the last two years. Um, Just, I think, consummate students were... We're focused as students on all of this and what can we learn about our day-to-day habits? How can you know we get better, stronger? Um, you hear many coaches of uh, elite and professional athletes talking about the fact that they just work on those marginal gains as a coach. And by the way, the athlete, the athlete accepts and embraces those marginal gains. And if you tell an athlete, hey, you can get 1% better by doing this little tweak, every athlete jumps at that chance. Yeah. And so I think that's what this has been about. Um, I think alcohol is more than 1%. I do think it's um, a much bigger foundation. But then I think it opens us up to continually add another 1%. And I was just telling you yesterday that uh, I saw this really great preview for Game Changers, which is all about being vegan. And we're not vegan, we're pescatarians. um, And I would say we very actually rarely eat fish relative to everything else. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're not straight up vegans. But I could watch a a preview like that and say, oh, I want to try that. I want to do that. And it doesn't at all scare me because of the sort of self-discipline and motivation that came from taking a break from alcohol. Yeah. Geez, if you can take a break from alcohol, you can do just about anything. So it's been an awesome journey. Yeah, for sure. Two years, I hope that we're um, still just doing the self-discovery as each milestone comes at us, which I think we will. Um, But again, like to your point, just being a student, I love the learnings that come from the one year no beer community. That's part of it. So it's not just about, you know, the alcohol piece. I love all the different concepts that have been introduced to us um, 
mindfulness, you know, practicing mindfulness has been huge for me. Um, focusing on our sleep, like you said, challenging us to move consistently. Um, it's just been a great journey. And, and go back to your question earlier about, hey, what are we doing differently that we would have never done before? You're an introvert. You would have never <laughs> let me put a microphone in front of you. Yeah. Twice in what, like five weeks. Yeah, right. So thank you for letting me do that. Yeah, you're welcome. So for all of you listening out there, thanks for hanging in there and listening to our story about um, two years of taking a break from alcohol and taking a break for good. And um, I just want to invite you like I did uh, a few weeks ago when Christine was on the show that, hey, we love meeting new people. Uh, we're, we're both in the Challengers group on Facebook. So definitely uh, say hi to us or um, feel free to connect with us on Facebook. For those of you who are listening to this that are not in the OYMB Challengers group, um, please find us on Facebook and connect with us. We're happy to meet new people. Yeah. And again, I want to just say to the people out there who are in a relationship and they're the ones that have the courage to want to take a break and do this challenge. Um, again, introducing that to your partner is a possibility. Um, hopefully they are open-minded to it. But again, like in our situation, Chris was that spark and it was exactly the spark that I needed, his strength, his courage. He was my lighthouse and um, look at me now, baby. Oh, I like that. The lighthouse. I'm going to well, use that. That's a Andy phrase. <laughs> I didn't just come up with that. So as I close out, let me just say to Andy and Rory, uh, you have two people here who are extremely grateful for the journey that you are sharing with the world. Um, you have really affected so many people like uh, us and uh, just from the bottom of our hearts thank you so much and to all of you listening thanks for listening to another episode of the OYMB podcast and I hope that you make it a great day bye bye thanks for listening to the one year no beer podcast for a full list of episodes and to join in the challenge yourself head on over to oneyearnobeer.com one year no dot com.